and we are back. We have Matt Gary, of course, as usual for these preview shows. And we're doing the 2020 Arnold Classic. Matt, looking at the roster of lifters, we're missing a few names, my friend. That's right. We're missing a few names, my friend. Um, off the top, some of the bigger names, unfortunately. However, it is what it is because the SBD Invitational is right around the corner. Expect another show for that one. But on the flip side, while you have the SBD Invitational, which is going to be a blockbuster show, we're missing Big Ray. We're missing Taylor Atwood. We're missing Russell Orhe. I mean, we're missing, uh, you know, our world champions, Kimberly Walford. We're missing, you know, all the reigning world champions, obviously, are going to Sheffield. A lot of uh, Americans who are the world champions are coming. So it's there's there's a few people missing on this roster and a few showdowns that we're used to seeing that just aren't going to happen. Yeah, you know, I've been going to the Arnold since 2008 when USA Powerlifting took over. And, uh, you know, like we were discussing in the in the pregame show, so to speak, um, when we were huddling up, uh, this one feels a lot different. And uh, But that's okay. I mean, we've got some storylines that I think we're going to touch on. Uh, there may be some individual showdowns lacking some of the ones you know that we're used to seeing with some of the usual suspects but i think that we can definitely touch on some 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 highlights and talk about some interesting storylines uh you know across the three days here's the thing sometimes what happens is if you take out a couple big guns it opens the door for someone else to have that shine and maybe put on performance we see it at the Raw Nationals where, um, you know, a couple lifters that would have previously won in a weight class moved out. And for the first time, the top five, no way had previously won a Worlds, no way had previously won a Nationals, and you knew, oh, a new star is going to rise. Somebody new is going to come. So, so it's not the worst thing in the world to have a bit of a force fire, so to speak, you know, and from, the, from those ashes rises up some new blood. So we got it opened up. I think we're going to go... Um, Day to day through it, I believe that's what we're talking about. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it was kind of going in chronological order. I, I think, you know, the festivities kick off on Friday with the Battle of the Regions, which uh, is uh, they kind of flip-flop the schedule this year. So there used to be uh, something called the Ohio Invitational, which used to be local-level lifters getting an opportunity to lift at the Arnold. And USA Powerlifting didn't want our pro-American competing opposite uh, the, the the Grand Prix and some of the higher profile events. So what they did was they replaced the Ohio Invitational with the Battle of the Regions. So the Battle of the Regions on Friday is going to feature um, some of our lifters from our regional program who are uh, may have done a raw nationals but are otherwise trying to qualify for for nationals now that the standards have gone up. So it's hey look, it's an opportunity. Nobody should feel ashamed uh, for getting invited to that meet. You know, um, it's still an opportunity to come to the Arnold Sports Festival and say, hey, I lifted. You know, at the Arnold Sports Festival, and it's it's an opportunity to be under probably a little bit stricter judging, and and to be surrounded with with uh, probably more people at the venue than you're used to seeing. You know, which which can which can up the ante a little bit. So I know that a lot of the lifters that are competing in the battle of the regions are excited, uh, even though we don't see some of the marquee names in that meet. What did, um, what did you think? You mentioned about the, the qualifications moving up for nationals. I don't know if I ever talked to you about this. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I think, you know, I've always said it before. I think, you know, a high tide raises all boats. And I think uh, I, here's the deal. I, I think 
having spoken to some of the members of USAPL Brass, I think you can look at this in two ways. I think you can look at it as there are some who say, look, this is a national championships and this is supposed to be the cream of the crop. And what is our objective? Our objective is to determine uh, our winners and our national team members that we are going to send to our world championships. So you have that on kind of one hand, and that makes a lot of sense that, hey, this should be the premier championships um, you know, of, of the calendar year, and it should determine our national team. And frankly, you probably only need about one flight of lifters per weight class to determine that. Yep. So, you know, what they've done is they've, they've, they, and, and then on the other side of the coin, you say, hey, look, we can have the biggest and most grandiose event in all of powerlifting because, uh, because we are the largest American federation and we have the most uh, lifters who come in. And so you can make it this, you know, extravaganza, if you will, of, of uh, lifting weights and, and attract a lot of people. And so over the past, you know, four or five years, we've had numbers of about a thousand or more. The problem with that becomes sustainability. And I think, I think that's a good thing because I think it, it helps put powerlifting on the map. And that ultimately leads to, as we've talked about with CrossFit, social media, raw powerlifting, all these different things, you know, the improved live streams, which have contributed to the growth and popularity of powerlifting. That's all wonderful. And so I think this helps to promote that. But at some point, it becomes unsustainable in terms of staffing, in terms of the number of platforms, the number of, of officials. I mean, it literally takes an army of people to pull off an event like that. So hence the qualifying standards increasing. And frankly, you're having athletes come into powerlifting from other sports now and literally and figuratively raise the bar of and, and raise the, the level, you know, raise that bar of human performance. They're taking it up another notch and, uh, you know, and, and so we're seeing the standards increase. And, and frankly, I'm in favor of the standards increasing. So whether or not that's going to, quote unquote, kind of cull the herd, so to speak, remains to be seen. Um, but they did up them significantly this time. So, yeah, like, um, I, I don't anticipate, you know, 12 or 1300 lifters, but we've said that every year. So, I mean, but again, like I said, if this continues to happen, then they're going to have to make the standards even higher and higher because it's just like, look, you, we can, you know, you can only run four or five platforms typically at one venue and, and think of the army of people that you need to pull that off just for one session, you know? And so it just becomes unsustainable. And furthermore, you're overworking your staff, right? I mean, it's just, you know, you got the same people, you know, it's, it's the old saying that 20% of the cows produce 80% of the milk. And you're, you know what I'm saying? So, what? Easy on, easy on calling cows now. <laughs> so it's like, man, you know, you're just going to have people that are just, um, you know, stretched too far. So, but anyway, uh, you know, all that said, I think it's a good thing that they're raising the standards. I do. Here's a couple questions. Um, so just put, put in perspective for people listening. As an 83, I seen that the qualifying total is going to be 685 kilo total. Okay. Um, we recently had a podcast with a gentleman who ran some numbers and, um, he deemed what elite total would be 680 in 83s because it's less than 3% of all power lifters will hit 680 less than 3% across the world. Um, so if you think about the American to make the American national championships, you gotta be like 
top 2% in percentile in the world. Which makes sense. Look, America is, in terms of powerlifting, obviously the number one nation. But just to show you, just to give you an idea, just how stellar you got to be to just get the invite and probably come in if you just made the cut. You're looking at dead last at nationals, at the national level dead last. But if you want to talk about quality, if anyone listening is wondering, and these are stats. This is an opinion. Stats are, you're looking at, if you're 685 as an 83 kilo lifter, I know the outliers like Russell Orr here are going to make you think, how is that possible when he's 830? 685 is so much below him. How is that possible? Because certain outliers skew our perception. But the reality is the world's a big place. America's got a lot of people. In the actual medium, these guys are so many levels ahead of the medium. The medium, like, it's still top-of-the-line food chain. 685 is still elite level. Um, Having said that, with that caveat, so people listening know the quality that's going to be showing up. It's world-class. It is world-class showing up at Raw Nationals from here on out. So if you make it, you're world-class. You're not just national level if you're U.S., you're world-class. Having said that, sir, how many people do you think, when they put this in place, did they, I I know this is projected and and who knows what's going to happen, but do they have an estimate they would like to see 800 range people? Like, did they pick numbers that they think this should bring us down to a more sustainable, easier to run 700 lifter range? Or or were they just kind of like, do you know, or, or do they have estimates, you know? I honestly don't know. I, I really don't. But if you just look at the trajectory in terms of the the, the numbers of people who have come to our raw cha- national championships over the past few years, I think this is what three four years in a row now where we've had a thousand plus. And so I think you know I, I can't sit here and say definitively that the executive board and executive committee and USAPL brass desires seven hundred. If I said that, I'd be lying. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's purely speculative. But I, you know, I mean, look, I would assume clearly that would become more manageable. But I mean, look, you know, on some levels, hey, look, organizations are in business to make money too. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. you know, it is, it is what it is, and you can't fault people for for taking advantage of a good thing. Uh, so, so you know, just so long as the quality, you know, doesn't go down. And frankly, if you ask me, the quality has gone up. I mean, and that's why. You know, we don't have these independent meat directors handling our raw na- our national championships anymore. They're actually run by the federation. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Okay, yeah, so the federation that, itself runs it. That's right. I mean, we have we have an event organizer, and uh, who's usually you know it's usually uh, a handful of people that are involved in the state that it's in. So, for instance, our raw nationals this coming year or this year are going to be at Daytona Beach. So, presumably, you know, the state chairs of, of Florida, you know, will will play a high role or a more prominent role, if you will, in helping to organize that meet and put it on. Uh, but they're certainly not the only ones. It takes an army. But that said, uh, there were concerns at all of our nationals that, you know, uh, not only were we continuing to go to uh, similar locations every year, uh, you know, because there were only maybe five, six meet directors who had the infrastructure to be to pull off an event like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so it's like, man, we got to go down here again or we got to go there again. And you had certain meat directors who were emphasizing certain aspects of the competition over others. And the national office wanted to streamline that. And they wanted those events to be of the same quality production 
quality and caliber of the Arnold. And that's what you're seeing now at our national championships. Mm -hmm. In terms of the live stream and the video production, it's just incredible. So, you know, hats off to them. I, I thought they did a fantastic job last year. Yeah, it is. It is tough because when you have, I see both sides of the coin. When you have a thousand people showing up, in terms of an event, a thousand people buying hotel, buying merch, paying the entry fee, but like the, a thousand people, the income you bring in, um, if you can handle an event of that size, and then when you're seeking out sponsors, and they're like, well, what do we get involved with? Well, we're going to have a thousand people live. And then we're going to have, oh, thousands more watching online. And now sponsors are like, okay, how much to be in there in the live event? Well, we got a thousand lifters plus all their family. If they all bring one to two family members, we're quickly multiplying exponentially. We're going to have to call out, you're going to have to pay X amount to have some in-stadium. Like, it, it's, I see we're having a massive event would help like that. However, like you said, it starts getting to the point where this thing is turning into a freaking mini Olympics. Like, what are, yeah. what are we talking about here? This is huge. This is massive. You have, like, this is a massive event. Run off the backs, to a large extent, of a lot of volunteers that it could be completely unsustainable. And, you know, you said 20% of the cows supply 80% of the milk. It's probably less than 20%. That's being generous. In terms of the amount of people who actually raise their hand and say, I will volunteer my time, man, it's going to be... I don't know. It's low. I remember for a long time, I was like, like before I got into commentating and everything, even I was like, at least once a year, I have to load and, and spot yep. and get involved at least once a year. I have to raise my hand and be like, I will be involved and get in and, and do something I have to give back. I, if every single power lifter and there's all thousands of them all did that, picked one event a year where you're spotting and loading or doing something volunteer wise, we're okay. But the fact of the matter is, you got some people who just take. Amen. Just take. And, and, and listen to me. Running your business as a coach isn't giving back because you're getting money. That's, 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 that's your giving back. That's a one-to-one -one ratio. I mean giving just with nothing involved. Just giving, period. You know, and one weekend isn't the craziest thing out of your life. So, anyways, it, that has to be said because too many people complain, but they don't raise their hand to help out. But, yeah, it's... um. It is that careful balance where how do you make it so it's manageable? And for myself on the surface, I kind of like the idea of national level event, a real national level event where it means that. I know in Olympic weightlifting, they make standards and they change it every year. So they cut it and they're like, we want, if we want 10 people in this weight class, here's where we think the 10 people range would be. And that's where they said it. And yes, it, well, I'm saying 10, could be 15, could be 20. They said how many people they want, and they cut you. They cut you right there. And they're like, look, if you're not good enough, we don't care. You're just not good enough. This isn't, this isn't a participation situation. Well, you know, and what it will do is put more meaning onto other competitions like state championships, regional events. In Canada, a provincial championship, to go to the nationals, you have to go to the provincials. To go to provincials, you have to do a local meet and qualify. Then mm -hmm. there's also a regional championship where you have the Eastern Regionals, Central Regionals, Western Regionals in Canada as so that you have local level, province championship, and then the provincial champions do battle at the regional, and then the regional champions do battle at national. So when you get there, you've earned the right, and it puts more onus 
on the Nash on the um, sorry provincial championship or regionals. So right now in the U.S., there's a bit of a sense of almost like entitlement that you do one or two competitions, you're going to nationals. That's not yeah. real sport. In most sports, that should would never happen. You don't do yeah. one local competition, don't even know the rules, don't know nothing, and all of a sudden you're entitled enough. So some people will be upset, and it's like, look, you're now just getting a dose of reality. You know, this is what reality setting It should put more onus on. A state championship should mean something with how competitive the states are. People should be able to bypass your state championship, go to nationals. You should be able to bypass regionals and go to nationals. Let's put a bigger onus on these events. So, because in other sports, I'll tell you what, if you're a wrestler and wrestling is massive in the U.S., if you're a state champion wrestler, you got UFC champions when they're like, what's your background? Well, I was a state champion wrestler. Everyone's like, oh my God. It's a big deal. If you're yep. a state champion powerlifter a couple years ago, we'd be like, what does that mean? What does that even mean? Who showed up? It right. should be bigger. I, I like what's happening now, just in terms of right. significance. Not everybody makes the playoffs. My friend. That's and, it. And, and we're, when we're talking about quality, um, it gets no higher quality than the U.S. Like this, this is uh, you know, a tip of the hat to the U.S. lifters. The U.S. Nationals, it just is that competitive. I'm sorry. I, I yep. know... You have to be top two percentile to make the national championships now. That is a, and I mean in the world, that is a huge ask, but that is also the quality of the American lifters. That's what we're talking about these days. You know, it's, yes, it's, it's uh, so if you don't want to deal with it, find your grandma who's from Italy and fly out to Europe and hit the Italian <laughs> national championships or something, man. Yeah, you got to start getting creative like other people in other sports. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, so having said that, I wanted to talk to you, to you about it uh, because uh, I don't even know if we talked about it at all on the podcast in terms of the, the qualification rising, but I, for one, liked it, um, and it, it does look like it's world-class. So having said it, let's, let's dive in a little bit, my dear friend, to the, uh, to the championships here, the Arnold. Um, I think we we're saying we we're going to pick up, if I'm not mistaken, with the Raw Challenge on the gentleman's side. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So the Raw Challenge will kick off on Saturday, and um, I think I think one of the notables that's worth mentioning, and and again, um, you know, like you and I talked about in the in in our pre-show to this show, um, we can't touch on everybody, but certainly worth mentioning is Johnny Candido. Yes, sir. Um, you know, kind of coming back and and representing the '83s there. Uh, you know, he he put together a strong performance at at Raw Nationals in the primetime event and showed up pretty well. And it was exciting to see him back. And I think there's a lot of people that connect with Johnny, you know, clearly they've known him from his YouTube presence. And I think he has either intentionally or inadvertently done a lot to help this sport. So um, I know I appreciate all that he's done in terms of bringing people to the sport. So it'll be exciting to see him left again. I mean, it's, um, it's funny because he's way too young to have a comeback story, but he's, he's on a comeback because he, yeah. He was, um, in the juniors, he was a star. I mean, he took a, if I'm not mistaken, he took a bronze medal at the World Championships as a junior? I believe so, yeah. I remember helping him down in uh, South Africa in, in, what was that, 2014. Yeah, and I believe you're right. I think he did take a bronze down there. Like, he's world class uh, yeah. as a junior. And then, obviously, moved into the Open, aged into the Open. And, um, I mean, you're, you're, when you're top three as a junior, there's some expectation levels, at least to an extent. And suffered at a bad time, back injuries, back to back back injuries, and I mean he he just he he would have time off, start coming back, 
injured again. Time off, start coming back. Very frustrating, like a Lane Norton situation. And just, I mean, the guy loves the sport. But I remember at one point reaching out to him and saying, hey, do you want to do something with the podcast? And this was during that that period. And he's like, my man, he's like, I, he hadn't been, I mean, his YouTube was was huge. And he hadn't been posting videos on YouTube. He hadn't been, you know, at the, we, he, I saw him at the 2016 uh, World Championships in Texas, and we did a session together commentating. But uh, you know, he, he, he around that time he wasn't doing too much with powerlifting, and he was like, "Man, it's me and powerlifting are not in a great space right now. Like, it's a touchy subject. Like, it's very difficult. And I can, you, I can only imagine when you want to get back so bad. You're a young guy, and just when you're on your way back to get hurt and fall back, you're on level ten of your comeback to fall back down to level two or three, and here we go again." Rise up the ladder and fall back down again. And if you stick around long enough, either you or someone close to you is going to be in this in this lane. Speaking of lane, like Bio Lane, Lane Norton himself, he went through the same thing. And yep. just when he's getting back, he'd be a national champion on his way to the world championships, injured, fall back down. Start climbing up the ladder again, injured, fall back down again. And uh, so for what you were saying, Johnny Candido at the Raw Nationals, posting one of the better totals we've ever seen him post, and now in his training. I mean, he's actually, he's posting some big numbers. You know, it's exciting to see a guy like that coming back. He's a popular guy. He means a lot to the sport. So when he's on good terms, the sport's on good terms because you guys like him around. So I'm interested in seeing what Johnny Candido could post up in the 83s. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Uh, and then I think also worth mentioning are some of the some of the guys lifting in the afternoon. Um, we've got Tristan Nasalrod at 120. Uh, he came to our gym. He's a local guy from Maryland, and he's lifted on on several national teams as a junior and uh, and and podiumed at, at, at Worlds several times. And so he'll, it looks like he'll be locking horns there with Joseph Franco uh, in the 120s. So that'll be pretty interesting. I mean, I would I would give just just based on. Uh, I mean, clearly Tristan would trump uh, Joseph there in international experience. But Tristan was um, working, I believe, on a shoulder pec injury last year, so it was a little bit down at, at Nationals. But I look for him to bounce back, so looking forward to seeing some big things from him. Let me just say, because you're the only guy who I think calls Joey uh, Franzo. It's it's Joey Flex. If anyone's yeah, wondering yeah. who the hell is Joseph Franzo, you you speak you speak about him like like you're his mother or father. Um, I, I don't know any. When you know what in the pre-show before we came on, when you said Joseph Franzo, I shit you not, I had no idea who you were talking about. And then I was like, well, that's Joey Flex. That's Joey. Yeah. Flex. yeah okay, Joey. Yeah. yeah, Joey. You know you know me, man. I'm not going by any Instagram. No sir. No handle. sir. But um. Calling yeah. you by your given name. That's right. You know what, though? Um, talk about Joey, though. Holy smokes. He is hitting into the 700s on his squat on a regular basis. Yeah, he's putting together some good training right now. Holy smokes, man. I, I made a post saying, like, Joey's starting to turn into one of his own star athletes. He's one of, he's one of the better guys he's got on his own roster for coaching. I mean, my man's putting up some big numbers all of a sudden. Not all of a sudden. I mean, he's yeah. been slowly gaining, but... I remember back in the day when, you know, he's in the late 600s, and now he's quite regularly posting up 700-pound squats. Yeah, and I think that probably, you know, when you look at a guy like that and you look at, you know, he's, he's uh, and this is no respect disrespect to him, but clearly he's, I think, he's cut his teeth coaching, and he's more known for who he is as a coach than right. he is as, as a lifter. I mean, he lifts well and he puts up good numbers, but he's uh, clearly more known as a coach. I think this is probably a time of the year when 
he can put forth more effort into his training, right? Yeah. Because it's, you know, so, and, and, and clearly he can, he can probably put in, uh, you know, a proper peaking cycle without having to worry about, man, I'm going to raw nationals and I've got, you know, 30 lifters in tow with me or what have you that I've also uh, trying to prep and get ready and so forth. And, and the same can be true for world championships. So I think this is probably a time of year that suits him well. So, you know, kind of coming off of raw nationals at the end of the year and then things start to slow down. So this time of year, it seems to me like he can, he can pour more emphasis into his own training. So it's, it's, you know, and the same can be said for other coaches who do this as well. So it's exciting to see, you know, somebody be able to, to, you know, put, put some of their efforts back into the iron. It's, he talks about his like handling can be extremely stressful and you're on your feet and you're running around and doing day after day after day of handling. And then it's your turn to lift. I don't know how the hell your, your numbers are going down. You're not having your best day. You could do, and it's got to be heartbreaking to do all this work, have all this potential in the gym, and then you got to be a very unselfish person to be like, man, I busted my ass in training, and knowing you're gonna, you're just gonna show up and not show people your full potential because you're gonna give everything to all your lifters handling, and then you get to go. He'll handle people earlier the same days. He's gonna be, he won't cut, even though he's he's too small for 120. But he's like, I can't do a water cut and everything earlier that day because I have to handle. Yeah. Uh, he just, it is what it is. Like you said, he makes his living coaching and um, he coaches world champions. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, he's a world-class coach. So you, you're going to do what you're going to do. But it, it is what it is. At some point, I would love if he just picked like a local competition. Nobody else is in it. Nobody else on Team Flex is in it. And let's just see him hit the biggest squat possible, hit the biggest numbers possible, and just see what he could do. But... It's pro- there's probably always a competition one of his people are in. <laughs> so it's, That's it's right. easier said than done. Yep. Um, also in there, sir, Trey Thomas, who yep. uh, a phenomenal heavyweight, and he's been hitting some big numbers in the gym. I'm pretty excited to see what he's going to do. Um, his squat's coming along, big bencher, deadlift. So we'll see what he – all eyes on Trey. See if he can post up a big total. Has he hit 1,000 kilo yet? Uh, I don't believe so, but I think that that's clearly within range. I think yeah. the last squat that I saw from him was about 400 kilos in yes. training, I and it looked, it looked comfortable. Um, you know, certainly not an RPE 10 with more in the tank. So, I mean, I think he could be knocking on the door of a 900-pound squat, maybe on the third attempt or something like that. Mm. You know, and, and, and when he's got that mid-five mid uh, bench to go with it, you know, he, he doesn't need um, – you know, a whole lot more to kind of round out the total there. So, yeah, I think it, it'll be exciting to see what he can put together. If he could join the 1,000-kilo club, it'd be entertaining. It'd be something else. Do you, do you think – can you see the numbers getting put together where a 1,000-kilo is within reach? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm actually – give me one second. Yeah, I'm yeah. Pulling up, yeah, I'm pulling up his – so his – yeah, I mean, he hit a 935-kilo total at Raw Nationals. It's got uh, – so it's some work. I mean, he's yeah. got some work. Yeah, but I mean, he just looked that, and that was with a that was with a three seventy seven and a half kilo squat, and he just did four hundred. So I mean, in training, so I mean, his his total, you know, should be put it this way: if he ain't hitting a thousand, he's going to be darn close. Yeah. yeah. So he'll be he'll be knocking on the door, or should be in the in the upper nine hundreds to a thousand kilo total. It'd be a nice way to start the year for him. Amen. So, so taking a look, which one do we want to take a look at next? I guess we can pull up the pro bench. We're not sure. expecting too much in terms of surprises when you have a lady like Jen Thompson 
who is the bench goat. However, you do have the return of two other national champions in Chloe Dublin and uh, Christina, Chrissy Max Power, both of them winning the Open National Championships, returning in the bench only. Both of them big bench presses. Chloe is a phenomenal bencher, so is Christina. But when you're talking about bench press, there's Jen Thompson and then there's everybody else. I mean, Jen's late 40s now, probably could bench press into the 300s until she's got one foot in the grave, one foot in the banana peel. Yeah, you never want to hand out trophies or awards or medals before the championships, but this is, you know, about as close to a lock as, as you can get. Right. No dis, no disrespect to the other ladies. Um, of course, you've got um, you've got Bryce Lewis's partner in crime there, Natalie Hansen, who's been a, uh, an equipped world champion at 84. She'll be lifting equipped um, at 84 kilos as well, so that, uh, she's a notable. And then I think also it would be worth mentioning um, – one of the biggest names that was left off this list, and we've had a bit of a discussion <laughs> at our gym about it, is uh, is uh, uh, Joseph Amendola somehow didn't get invited to this meet. So I don't know how the world champion and the world record holder at 105 kilo raw uh, doesn't get invited to this meet, but he's been left off the list, wow. which we've been which we've been kind of joking about. So anyway, um, somehow, some way, I, I feel like that was just an oversight, and then it was kind of too late, but. Um, we've got Jason Mike, you know, at 120 plus, who's been um, putting up some good numbers. And I know at Raw Nationals, you know, going into Raw Nationals, he was a little bit dinged, and he'd been, you know, flirting with coming down to 120. And now he's um, he's above that, and uh, and 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 letting his weight. I, I don't want to say creep up because he's not creeping up, but uh, and I don't even think he's over 300. I think he's been floating it at probably about 125, 130 kilos on most days. But it'll be exciting to see because you know if if because if he can put up some big numbers, he's been consistently hitting in the five uh, high five hundreds in training. So uh, so I like to see what he can do, you know. And cheers to him as a masters lifter as well. I thought he was going to go one twenty and go for a world record in the one twenty. I'm surprised to see he's uh, one twenty plus. You know what? And he, you, you know, uh, Ryan, he he might. Because um, <laughs> I swear, I want to now. I mean, I, I can't use my phone right now to double check. I swear I was talking to him, and he was looking at, because Amanda's um, had the record, and Amanda's just failed the drug test, and that's wiped clean. Not, I mean, we're talking usually yeah. a chipper, usually a chipper record. It's not like the record's going to plummet that yeah. because of that. But still, yeah. um, he took note because, like, yeah, he's going for, I think he's going to try to go for the 120 record. Because he so, wants to be a dual okay. dual world record 120 plus and 120 and stake a claim as one of the greatest ventures of all time if he can do that. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, maybe he is. I mean, I, I know that there are, for those of you who are looking at these rosters, there are a couple misprints, if you will, and a couple people listed in either equipped when they should be raw or raw when they should be equipped. So who knows? Maybe yeah. Jason Mike registered as a 120 plus and maybe he is competing at 120. And so please pardon my faux pas if that's the case um i'm not he's sure listening. though <laughs> yeah no i mean i know that his the, the training videos that i've seen he's been talking about he's floating around at a body weight of if we're talking pounds about 280 so 127 and a half kilo is is roughly what he's been floating at so i mean that would be a significant cut but yeah. you know i mean we'll we shall see um you know and that that would present a smaller version of him on the platform so uh, <laughs> it's, it's dicey like those cuts yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it really affect the bench, man. Big so time, much. big time. I think the thing it'll affect the least would be a deadlift 
when it comes to those cuts. Um, squat, whenever a squat or bench, when you're a smaller human being and you're unracking, it's yeah. difficult. I mean, you see even with the super heavyweights, they squat more than they deadlift. I mean, it's the deadlift for some reason when it comes to lower body weight is affected less anyways. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a dicey move. If he could retain his strength, but you, when you're going to do cuts like that, you need a nutritionist. You need a water cut expert. You need like, and they're not always the same person, by the way. I mean, you could do a whole podcast on just water cutting. You can do a whole series on nutrition and trying to gain your strength back while decreasing size. And then you can get into your bench programming. There's a lot of moving pieces and it's a difficult task at hand. I don't know what kind of crew he's got behind him or what his goals are. Or he might have had that goal started dropping body weight and decided, you know what, I'm not feeling that great. I think I'm just going to steady right the ship where we're at and compete as a small 120 plus. Who knows? Uh, I honestly can't firm up either which way, so we can only work with what we're given on the roster, right? Yes, sir. But it is worth noting. Nonetheless, if you're paying attention, um, if he goes 120, I'd expect he's only doing that to try to take that world record. Yeah, I agree. So uh, it'll be interesting because if you add two world records, two different weight classes, both open. Oh, and by the way, Jason Mike, a master lifter. Jen Thompson, a master lifter. Shout out to these master lifters putting in work and possibly snagging world records. That's right. All right, my friend. So what's up next? Hold on a second here. Then we go into the Grand Prix. So the Grand Prix is going to be on Saturday afternoon, and that's on the Rogue stage in the main Expo Center. So that's kind of, uh, you know, they've partnered with Rogue, and they've made that kind of one of the more premier uh, portions of the of the, uh, uh, of the festivities, so to speak, where they combine raw and equipped lifters. And we saw this last year. So you're basically competing on IPF points. So, uh, you know, you can, you can break world records at this meet, but you might have some people that weigh in intentionally heavy and may not necessarily make weight and just compete on points. Kind of like we might see, you know, and that's for another discussion when we get into the Sheffield, you know, on that preview show, you know, presumably there'll be some people that don't make weight there on purpose. Um, I think we're going to see that here at the Grand Prix as well. But you do have a good representation with some heavy hitters in the, uh, the, 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 the raw category. Clearly, you know, Marisa Enda, multi-time national champion, one-time world champion is coming back. Uh, she's essentially lifting unopposed at 52 because she's the only raw lifter. But as I said, again, competing on IPF points, you know, if she put, if she puts together a nine for nine performance, um, she could, she could really be in the mix. Um, fun fact, a few years ago on the rogue stage, she put together, uh, which was then a world record performance, mm. and her biggest her biggest total of all time came at this meet, which was a 430 kilo total. Cool. So, you know, and 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 that's one thing that I think is worth mentioning. You know, the Arnold is one of these. Um, uh, it's it's a showcase competition, right? It doesn't qualify you to go anywhere. And that's not to diminish its significance. It, it, what it is to say, though, is that there really are no consequences for missing. You can be a little bit more cavalier. You can be a little bit more risky, if you will, in your attempt selection. You can go and swing for the fences and go for those home runs if you, if you want to because – uh, you know, you're not risking uh, not making the podium. You're not risking a medal or anything like that. So you, you can be more aggressive. And so that's why sometimes you'll see, hey, you know, somebody knocks that fastball out of the park, so to speak, yeah. and does hit a home run and does set a world record. So that I think that kind of adds some cachet and makes it a little bit more exciting as well. 
And here's the thing that I like, because there was a couple years there where this wasn't the case. It is sanctioned by the North American Powerlifting Federation, so world records are now able to be broken, whereas previously it was right. just the USAPL. And I like, first off, it kills me when you got some federations out there, not to make this a federation beef, but this is a beef I have with some feds where you just break a world record wherever you want. And the standard is not upheld. You know, people see some squats, you're like, oh, wow, that's what the records are now. Whereas when it's international, the reason why you can't break world records at national level events is because you can have national, you know, national reps and there could be a bias there. I don't yep. want some small fed in the middle of wherever posting results and it's like, oh, hey, at our nationals, 16 world records were broken um, yeah, we didn't have a live stream, sorry, but we do have our refs and they don't care. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Where it's like, that's not good enough. That's not good enough for other sports. It shouldn't yeah. be good enough for powerlifting. I'm that's glad right. it's not good enough for the IPF. And if it is good enough for your Fed, you should be asking questions. Because that's not the way real sports and on the big level are run. So the IPF, I'm glad the Arnold Classic decided, you know what? It takes, it lowers the bar. And it's if you're not going to have all the biggest showdowns, have people chasing world records, have historical competitions, have a, a historical performance available to some of these lifters. We need to get it sanctioned by an international body, and the North American Powerlifting Federation is is just that body to do it. So now people like Inda, um, Sam Calhoun, etc., can now break world records at the Arnold, and it means something. And I'll tell you what, because here's my segue, sir. Not my first podcast. Sam Calhoun now has an opportunity to enter the pole position in the 63-kilo class where our friend Leah Bavois at the European Championship, obviously an international competition, moved herself into the number one slot with a, a massive performance in the 63-kilo Broke the IPF world record in terms of her total. And now, and Sam, when she had done that at the U.S. Raw Nationals, it would have been a world record total, but it was only at a national level. It's tough. And it's always yep. nice to have world records to be the, be ranked. Even if you're not the world champion, you are ranked number one in the world. That means something when it, we're talking about a federation like the IPF that's as big as it is worldwide. Sam has an opportunity here. She could say, listen, ladies... I understand we got a battle coming in Belarus at the World Championships. However, I have an opportunity at the Arnold Classic to move myself into the number one position in the world. That means something. If temporarily, because I understand Gara from Italy, the current world champion, will be at the SPD Invitational. So she has an opportunity as well if she stays in the weight class to take it. But here is a chance for Sam Calhoun. It's possible. I don't have the number in front of me which she would have to hit. Do you happen to know what the IPF world record that Leah Babois from France put together at the European Championship? I know it was a phenomenal. It, it's five fourteen kilos, and and Sam totaled five eleven at our Raw Nationals. So, so we're, she's yeah, we're there. She's there. She's right, right. there. It's well yep. within reach. It's well within reach. Yeah. Also, uh, kind of something of note. So my wife Susie and myself, uh, you know, have long time have have long been Sam's game day coaches, and will continue to be for the foreseeable future thankfully and we're going to be handling her at this meet one of the things i mean sam's training looks fantastic if you've been kind of trackling along she's uh she's putting it together and really um, so i'm excited to work with her again 
I will say this, uh, and I don't want to let the entire cat out of the bag, and, and I think she and I need to discuss this a little bit further, but let, let's also just put this into play for a moment. World records are on the table, and we all know that she's currently the world record holder in the deadlift, right? She, sure. she holds the, the world record at 221 and a half kilos, and so, uh, which, is, which is just under 490 pounds. Now, she's actually done 226 kilos, right, which is, uh, which is 498 in pounds. Uh, she did that at our Raw Nationals. Here's something to consider. Uh, or, or, and, and Sam, if you're listening, listen up. Um, <laughs> you may not want to knock the deadlift world record so far out of the park at this meet because when we get to Belarus and we lock horns with these other ladies, we're going to want that chip to play with. Oh, and you're not... the, always the strategizer. Look at you. Right, Look at that. You're right. ahead. Right. Oh, my God. So, you're never so, off. You're never off, Matt. You're I'm always just... game planning. Holy <laughs> smokes. You're like, you're like six months out and you're already game planning for Belarus. <laughs> I'm right. I'm just saying. So you're I mean, right. You're right. Yeah. You, you look. You always want to seize seize the moment. You know, carpe diem, so to speak, and 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 seize the day and take advantage of uh, you know of of low hanging fruit when it's there. However, uh, you know, Columbus, Ohio, is going to feel a lot differently than Minx, Belarus. Right. And I think you know, and Sam competing last year, you know, at, in Sweden, admitted that you know she felt different in Sweden. And when she went out for that final deadlift to catch the Italian, it wasn't quite there, you know, and, and, and that's, there's no excuses. It's just that you feel differently halfway around the world than you do on, on your home turf. Mm -hmm. And so if you wind up kicking the world, the deadlift world record so far out there at this Arnold, it may not be something that you can call upon in Belarus. So that would be a consideration. And I mean, these are conversations that I clearly want to have with her and look, ultimately, She's the one driving the bus, right? I'm just Susie and I are just GPS. We're just trying to yeah. show her show her the way. Uh, you know, ultimately it's going to come down to her and and uh, what kind of form she arrives in. But anyway, these are just kind of some fun conversations that you can have, as you said, just because you can break world records. So it's, it'll be it'll be interesting to see you, you, what, you, what you know, she wants to do. You know what? I you're 100 percent right though. Like I, I'm I'm. Look at now that you really think about it. it like, you were, look at her, Leah Bavois, and Corolla Gara from Italy, who's reigning world champion. Leah, who's uh, the reigning world record holder. And then yep. Sam, who's... And, Mil and, and Milliken will be there in Belarus and, and as well. And Milliken will also, so, because yep. Milliken right now is a 72. We'll get to her in a sec. But she'll, so she is going to be in Belarus. Okay, that is confirmed. All right, so <laughs> who, and Milliken, who's a multiple-time world champion... Uh, Man. And in Belarus, which treats her kindly, she also, you know, has won the best lifter when she was in Belarus. So when you're looking at all of this, and yeah, ch a chip might be the only thing that'll separate you. And when yep. you get to Belarus, if you're like, you know what, kind of wish I had that chip. Kind of wish I, I didn't. I didn't take it in in, her, in the Arnold. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and 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 Babylon from France. I mean, her, her deadlift's coming up. I mean, she's closed. You know, she's closing the gap on the deadlift, and and that's the same. Scary. Yeah, so it's, so it's you know again, you're gonna you 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 that's your ace card, and you're the world record holder in the deadlift, and presumably at that meet in Belarus, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but anyway, you're gonna need that. Yeah. You're gonna, 
that's a, a bullet in your gun that you're going to need to fire probably. And so if you, if you knock it so far out into the stratosphere in this meet, it may not be there when you need it most. And so you have to ask yourself, what's more important? Do I need to go into Belarus as the highest ranked person on the nominations, which we all know the nominations don't always hold true form, or do I want to show well at the Arnold, possibly grab some cash if possible, but not kick that deadlift world record out there so far that I can't draw upon it when I need it most. It is tough, man. I mean, so, the, the it's not only just nomination, but also the allure of being ranked number one in the IPF in the world is very appetizing to say, like, sure. I'm ranked number one. I have the world record total. Uh, yeah. no, no one can take that from you. That's history. So then you could, you know, it's that's very appetizing. That's really tempting. Um, I think a world championship is more important, but... If you're on that day and you're like, look, I don't know what's going to happen to Belarus. That's um, true too. But yeah. if you're on that day in the Arnold and you're like, I feel it. It's today. I could be number one in the world. Oh, that's tough. These are tough decisions. That's why you know I, what you 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 kind of give it to the lifter and be like, look, I can't live your yeah. life. I can't live your life. What's important? You could be number one in the world right now, and then in Belarus we cross that bridge when we get there, and maybe everything works out fine. Right. I don't, you got it, you got to, you know what, I think Sam really does, and you should, have, you're going to have to have this conversation, right? We'll, we'll have these conversations, and I think, look, I think, I think on some levels, she could probably have her cake and eat it too, right? Because I think she left a little bit on the platform at Raw Nationals, which was good to see. She had a little bit of room left in her squat, which was nice. So if we're able to tweeze a couple kilos out of that, she could hit, figure, you know, literally a world record total at this meet, Maybe a world record deadlift too. I'm just saying that if she pushes her world record deadlift so so far out yeah, there, yeah, that you you know that that may not be the most pragmatic thing in terms of looking forward to Belarus. But best, again, one thing at a time. Best so, case scenario would probably be world record yeah. total without having to move that world record deadlift. And yeah, it's, or, you know. or or just chipping it or something. Because like I said, she's already pulled more than two twenty one and a half. We all know that she has that. It's not. It's not a question of ability. Yeah. It's just a, a, yeah. So and we'll we'll see. Look, we'll. She's got some formidable ladies here coming, breathing down her neck. You know, and Jennifer Milliken and Kristen Dunsmore and Von Weissenberg. So I mean, it's it's not going to be you know easy. You know, it's going to be tough sledding. You know, as it should be. Let's so. talk about some of these ladies. So Jennifer yeah. Milliken. Um, nine for nine at the U.S. Raw Nationals, had a phenomenal performance, multiple-time world champion in the 57-kilo class, this time is actually moving up to the 72, presumably not going to actually fill it out, but just yep. deciding, like you said uh, previously, hey, look, it, we can weigh in where we want. This is kind of an exhibition to show off your best lifts. If you're traveling, etc., and you don't have to worry about water cutting, dieting, or anything like that, let's just go in there. I'm I'm speaking in terms of Jennifer Milliken, already qualified for the World Championship. I'm not risking that, so let's just have fun. Who knows what she's going to post up, and you're going to feel strong when you don't have to cut for the first time. Yeah, I spoke to her this morning, as a matter of fact, and that's exactly what she said, uh, that she's never been in a competition where she hasn't had to cut weight or at least water cut, and she just doesn't want to go through the stress. And so she's just, you know, kind of weighing what she's weighing. Like you said, she'll be a very light 72. Uh, she's not going to stress out about it. She just wants to go in, have fun, no pressure. Uh, she's not necessarily focused on any numbers other than possibly putting together a, you know, a PB total of sorts. 
and then, you know, kind of come home and uh, hit the ground running and getting ready for Belarus. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what she can do. And then, of course, you know, we've got Kristen Dunsmore coming back, too. So I think the last time we saw Kristen was in Sweden, where she was fighting that that um, that back injury, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe it was her hip. Um, but, you know, literally to the point where she just could not squat. And um, but she she toughed it out and she finished. And, uh, you know, hey, like you said, if that's your only moment in the in the sun, so to speak, you know, you just kind of make the most of it. And she did. She showed up and and she she competed uh, as best she could, given the injury that she had. But now, uh, you know, hey, man, like you said, uh, things her, her arrow seems to be pointing up. So it's exciting to see her back on the platform again at, at a premier event like this. You know, it's here's the thing when it comes to when you get that invite to go to the world championship, she could have pulled out, but we know, especially if you're from a nation like the U S which is so freaking competitive. Look, we just talked about, you have to be top two percentile in the world to even walk into the nationals, let alone win the nationals. So when she won the world, the national championship for 72 and qualified for the world championship, despite being that severely injured, you, you go, you lift because you don't know if you will ever go back again. The experience walking in that stadium and seeing those people, all these international lifters being on stage. I know it had to be tough when you're injured and, and physically speaking, you're in pain and mentally and emotionally you're frustrated because you can't put forth. This is not the way the story was supposed to go. However, life is all about moments, man. Passes all too quick. So when you decide to stay home and watch, watch it all on the live stream, you should always opt to be a part of it. Meet people, see the sights, get involved. God knows if that'll ever happen again. You know, that's that's what it's all about. So um, she went in now, her in her training, I mean, her bench press has always been solid. Just shy of a bronze medal, the bench press in Sweden. Um, yep. Kimberly, Kim, Kimberly Walford, no less, took that bench bronze medal from her. But uh, so she's got that. She always had the bench, still does. But now her squat and her deadlift are starting to come on pace, and she's mm-hmm. looking to unveil a new package at the Arnold Classic in the seventy twos. And Isabella von Weisenberg, who's yes. you know broken world records with the squat, um, seems to be pacing nicely. Got Mike T in her corner once again, and I'm interested because in Sweden, I can't imagine the pressure. I remember showing up in Sweden. Um, obviously, she's she's Swedish, and her it was the host nation with the World Championships. And when you are one of the biggest stars from the hosting nation for the World Championships, there's a little pressure on you to perform because when the media shows up, they contact the federation like, who can we talk to and get an interview with? They're going to put you forward. That's just the way it goes when you're one of the biggest stars. I know she has sponsorships that are somewhat mainstream in Sweden. When you showed up on the side of the building that the World Championships were at, there was a 25-foot billboard of Isabella Malmweiserberg deadlifting. When we passed by bus stops, there was in bus stops posters of Isabella Malmweiserberg all over the city. So, I mean, she, she's a flag waver for, for, over, for powerlifting as a sport in her, in her nation. So yep. it's good to see her here, and uh, she's peaking nicely from what I can tell anyways. She's a little bit more dark on the social media in terms of not posting as much. Yep. You know, which, I mean, whatever. You could just be, quote unquote, over it. You know, you're like, all right, I, you know, Sweden, when we hosted, I got a lot of attention. I wouldn't mind having a little less pressure on this one, have a little more fun and just walk in there. But from what I saw on her social media, she's going to be ready. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I also, before we move on to the men, I just wanted to kind of give a shout out to two other lifters uh, in the lighter weight classes who will be competing equipped uh, that I wanted to mention. Kat Kazabuski, uh, congratulations to her for making the Arnold. This was a lifter that I used to coach, and she's a seasoned veteran uh, in the equipped game and also a master's lifter. And uh, she's she's coming back after uh, a couple-year hiatus and took time to start a family. And also we've got Juanita Nahara at 52 kilos. Juanita is the world record holder in the deadlift equipped, uh, has done 195 kilo deadlift equipped at 52. And so uh, this might be a perfect opportunity for Juanita to go ahead and increase that that deadlift world record uh, as well. You know, I think she can, you know, swing for the fences at this meet because, again, it's a home game and uh, little consequences for missing. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if that deadlift record goes down. Now, so. Talking about the men, my friend. Yep. Listen, if the SPD Invitational has taken a few of the bigger stars, obviously all the American world champions are going to the SPD Invitational. When I look at the men's side of this Grand Prix, I see some gentlemen of world caliber who, I mean, let, let's, okay, let's just start off with Michael C. I don't know if you heard, but he's chasing 800. Have you heard that? You heard some rumblings? About once or twice. <laughs> once or twice. Now, in terms of historical significance for our sport, it wasn't that long ago when Brett Gibbs, a weight class up, was chasing 800. It was on the cover of IPF magazine, and it just said 800. And we're talking, is it possible for this man to hit 800 as an 83 kilo? Fast forward, we got 74 kilo juniors chasing 800. Um, it is remarkable. There's There's been a lot of chatter, because in the 74 kilo class, you have guys like Michael C., Taylor Atwood, who's the king of all weight classes right now. Um, you have Ricky Ricky Cho, who's the villain, likes to stir the pot, makes, makes some chatter happening. And then you have uh, Austin Perkins, handsome kid, got a lot of pizzazz when he hits the platform, quite the showman. I think I once quoted saying he's the Michael Jackson, the powerlifting when he's on that platform, the way he, he struts off from hitting his deadlifts. Um, and, and then even the, the supporting cast that were just below those top four, I mean, Eric Lapointe, who we'll talk about in a second, um, as well as like Kevin Tran and Nico, you got, you know, Gage, you got some, some of these dudes in the top 10 for the 74s. It is such a rich talent pool. You know, we're, it's, it's probably one of the most, the deepest divisions I could see in powerlifting. So Michael C chasing 800. What are your thoughts on that? He gave his performance at the Raw Nationals, what he did in the squat, what he did in the bench press, left. It was a, The fact that he had to pull out in the deadlifts makes this performance so much more question marks because it's like everyone was like, what if? What if? You know, he, was, he had such a great, it was, it was an insane squat and bench press event. Yeah. Now, he's not as good at deadlift as some of these other fellas. So when he didn't deadlift, it is that did he bridge the gap in his deadlift like like we seen possible in his training? It was that was the biggest question mark, and we didn't get to see it. What do you what are your thoughts on this? So I think it's the perfect storm for Michael. I, you know, like we talked about, this is a this is a showcase meet, uh, and it's the perfect opportunity for Michael to to put together his signature performance and his signature package and. Uh, and, and hit the 800. And frankly, I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to be the first to do it. Uh, and, and, and again, uh, this isn't to diminish the stage at all, but he doesn't have to be 
as careful and as calculated as he will need to be later this year in October at our at our Raw Nationals. And so, you know, if you just if you just look, you know, Michael right now has the American record in the squat. He has the American record in the bench. Therefore, he essentially has the American record subtotal, although we don't, you know, we don't keep American record Unofficially, subtotals. yeah. Unofficially. So if you look at if you look at those two lifts that he put together at Raw Nationals, the 287.5 squat and the 198 bench, he didn't even, you know, his, his third bench he missed, and then he started cramping because all hell broke loose. Um, he would have needed, just let's call it 315 kilos. And so he's been posting his training lately, and while he hasn't pulled 315, I do believe he's pulled 305, 307. Maybe he missed a 310 the other day or something like that. But with game day adrenaline, you know, presumably – that deadlift is going to be there. And I mean, look, his squat is on the come up and the bench as well. So I think, you know, again, I just think this is the perfect storm for him. I think that as long as he has a reasonable subtotal and hasn't missed any, you know, big lifts, I mean, look at this. If he misses a third squat, then that 800 kilo total probably comes off the table. Yeah. So I think think it's really going to hinge. You know, you have to – he's got to put – blinders on in terms of saying to himself, look, I'm taking one attempt at a time. I have to be singular and focus and take this one lift at a time and literally and figuratively build a total rather than saying, you know, uh, I've got to do X, Y, and Z and just build the total and stay in the moment. And I think that if he does that, I think he can be the first uh, to hit the 800 kilo mark and it would be in uh, just a tremendous accomplishment. And then, you know, later this year when all the boys you know, come to the roundup, so to speak, down in Daytona, then it should be fireworks. And then, you know, things could play out a little bit differently. You know, and you, you have to be more calculated, you know, because there's only one day of the year when you can be a national champion. At that point, you know, you're not going for a specific number. You're going for whatever it takes to win. At this one, I think, you know, 800 is is, is definitely within reach, and, and I think Michael's going to get it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it because I'm going to be right there standing next to him the whole time. The history so, got made, yeah. Here's, yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Here's, here's a couple of caveats. Now, first off, judging by his training numbers, and of yep. course, he hasn't had to cut weight, and that's all part of it, and we know weight cut didn't go well last time. There's other factors that were involved, yep. but gym numbers are gym numbers. But his gym numbers are definitely bigger this time around than they were last time. So conceivably, mm-hmm. his squat will be heavier, his, his bench will go up, so he actually won't even need to deadlift that much, hopefully. Right. Now, you got you to gotta go six for six for that to happen. Yep. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. But there's that. As well as, here's something else. Let's say misses a bench or something. Let's say, okay, 800 might not happen today. He could still break the IPF world record, which I believe is 790.5 or something, 790 kilo with a chip on there, somewhere around there. Yep, 790.5. And move ahead of Taylor Atwood as the number one 74 in the IPF. And that would also, Taylor being the king on the IPF points, as well as Dots, if you follow that, it would move him ahead and turn him into, not just on the national level, this is IPF, okay, international judging. He would then move ahead and be the king of powerlifting. Without, <laughs> hey, I'm just let, let, let's let's make a storyline. You know me, I'm a little bit of hyperbole. All right, I'll, this is what I do. This is what I do. How I'm just saying, 
even if he doesn't make history with 800, he has an opportunity to establish himself. Now, Tail Atwood and the Tail Atwood fans are going to say, you got to face-to-face unseat the king. To beat the king, yeah, and same with the queen. However, I mean, look at... It's, it's different ways how you're going to slice this. It's different ways how you're going to look at it. If you're a Michael C. fan, you could say, well, on that day, he posted something up better than we've ever seen anybody else post in terms of 74s outright total and in terms of the IPF points as well. It would also be something else if Michael C. posts that 800 kilo total, maybe a little beyond, although I don't see him doing loading the bar with any more than he needs for an even 800. Why, why risk it? Gets those IPF points, and then a month later, nobody bests his IPF points in the SBD Invitational, which is literally champion versus champion, best of the best. The caveat Michael C. would have, if we're going to be honest, he could possibly move himself into that position without even showing up the SBD Invitational. I mean, it's, it's up there for debate. Now, you know me. I have to see head-to-head. Yep. I, I need to see head-to-head. All I'm saying is, you also know me. I love a good storyline. And I, and I know how to hype an event. But, uh, but it's, it's just something to pay attention to anyways. Is whether or not Michael has a lot of things at stake. Historically speaking, there's 800. But also positionally, he could be number one 74 kilo ranked. By the IPF, which is as official as you get, number one ranked in the world. Oh, and by the way, number one ranked in the world pound for pound regardless. By the IPF. So there is a lot at stake for this young man. Definitely, if we're profiling a performance to watch, it's Michael Seeds. I, I can't think of any other performance where it's quite like that. Yeah, there's a lot on the table. And I think, uh, like we said before, you know, 800 is, is is that milestone accomplishment, so to speak, or that, that next big thing. But there's there's other, you know, there's there's low-hanging fruit, or lower-hanging fruit, I should say, if, if there is such a thing when you're taking world records. Yeah. But I think, you know, I mean, look, if he realizes that 800 is not in the cards because he missed a squat, or if just, for whatever reason it's just not there, maybe the weight cut is harder than he had anticipated, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, look, uh, still to your point, the world record total is on the table, you know, 790.5. He could take that and still have bragging rights. And I'm, and I'm certainly not going to speak for Michael. I know you just had him on your podcast. I would never speak for him nor anyone else. But I know that I know that Michael in his heart of hearts, while, while he does want to probably be the first guy to check this box and say, you know, I'm the first cat that's done the 800. I also think that Michael is the type of competitor – even as quiet and as introverted as he is, and I respect that because he's a, a, a man from my own heart, uh, we're cut from the same cloth in that regard. I think it's. I think Michael wants to lock horns with Taylor, and I think Taylor, if Michael were to break his world record and or take the 800, says, you know what, fella? I want to do battle with you when I'm healthy. Yeah. And so, you know what I'm saying? And then you throw in the Austin Perkins and the Ricky Cho and all the other char- cast of characters, yeah. and, you, and you've got a... You've got a nice uh, dish there to, to 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 sample, but anyhow, um, it is going to be exciting, and I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, there's a lot at stake there. So, moving into speaking of young guys, with a lot at stake. Ashton yep. Ruska, we yep. have we have he he's going in as 105. Now, um, don't forget Mr. Ricks here. We will. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All oh, right. Yeah, I just want to get. Yeah. Okay. No, no. <laughs> we'll we'll double back. But I just want to talk about. How Ashton, yeah. at the Raw Nationals, um, I mean, he's he's an all-or-nothing, going out on a shield type. Ended up yep. falling into third place because 
Um, I mean, he's pulling for the win. He's he's going in for the win. And uh, Mikey D was able to able to sneak in there and snag that silver because sometimes, I mean, that's how you play. That's good handling. You see opportunities and doors open up. And you're like, hey, look it. Let these fellas fight for gold. And how many times have we seen this? Let these fellas fight for gold, push each other, start missing lifts. When someone misses, you capitalize. That's coaching and handling one-on-one. Um, shout out to, I think it was Tina and Joey who were handling them, but I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But anyways, that's what you do. That's what you do. Yeah. When you walk in here and say, look, at on the surface, Bryce, former world champion, Ashton, an absolute phenom. We probably, in a, in a firefight, aren't going to beat these guys straight up. But let's hang tight. Let's not miss lifts. And let's seize opportunities. That's sports. That is why, if I could throw it back to two minutes earlier, I like to see the showdowns head-to-head, which Taylor, who's king, that's why Taylor is king. Because when it's talking head-to-head, my man, one thing Taylor does is win. That's one thing he does is win. And and when you're lifting unopposed, you don't have to worry about that. But when it comes to game day, that's why sports, you have to go head-to-head because funky things can happen. So, talking about Ashton, he has an opportunity here to possibly get a little bit of redemption and, and put forth a nine-for-nine nine day and take a swing at a possible world record here because, obviously, like we already said, this is sanctioned by the North American Powerlifting Federation. What are you thinking about his chances here? I like his chances. Um, you know, having, to, having spoken to Ashton, uh, Ashton is now living locally in the, in the D.C., Maryland metropolitan area, and I've seen him at a, at a local meet recently. I like his chances. I think a lot of this is going to hinge on his body weight, and I'm not certain, to be honest with you, where his body weight is or what it's going to be. I think that'll be an interesting factor. I think we saw that at Raw Nationals where he showed up a little bit lighter yeah. than we actually anticipated. And I think, you know, Ashton has always said that, look, I'm not going to force the issue. I'm not going to fatten myself up to one a full 105 on purpose. I'm just going to kind of let it happen organically and let it happen naturally. And so I think, you know, but when you start pushing the upper levels of your own performance there, I think it's, it is weight dependent. So I think, uh, you know, clearly – uh, you know, Bryce's American record, which I believe is 902 and a half, is higher than the world record, which is held by Wiz Vicky at 895.5. So I think if Ashton puts together the day that he's capable of, uh, he could certainly beat Wiz Vicky's world record at 895.5 because I don't believe his second place total at Raw Nationals was that far off. Uh, so I mean, it's it's you know. And, and, and Ashton just has to go out and, and execute. But again, like we talked about, because this is not necessarily a head-to-head, you know, I think we're likely to see some really big totals. And it's just, you know, but it's, it, 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 all, it sounds like cliche, but it's true, man. Everything kind of hinges on these third squats because that's, you know, that's it right there. That, you know, if you can, if you can hit that, third squat, you know, you, you, most lifters, unless your name is Jen Thompson, you know what I mean? Don't lose much ground if they miss a third bench. Like if there's a lift to miss, you know, if you could say, Hey, you're going to miss one, that's the one to miss, right? Because that doesn't contribute as much to your total. And it doesn't, you know, create uh, a problem in the deadlift when you miss a third bench, when you miss a third squat, it oftentimes taxes your back to the extent that you may not make a third deadlift or you may have to pull your third deadlift down. So 
It's going to be interesting, but I certainly think Ashton's capable of of, of breaking the world record uh, in 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 total, and and I'm excited to see what he can put together at you know one of these exhibitions where he's not necessarily going head to head with anybody. Now, what do you think about this? Knowing everything we know about Ashton, because my man could easily be a 93 kilo. He goes into 105 purely because he wants he, he just wants to be battle tested, and so he's just hunting down the biggest game battle he can. Having yeah. said that, do you think a world record's appetizing enough for him, or do you think he tells himself, uh, you know what, if Bryce hit this number, I need to beat Bryce's American record. It doesn't. <laughs> it's a shallow victory for me to go for. Like, do you think he's he's going to go that far in, or or how does he slice it? Hard to say. I- it, it is hard to say, man. It's 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 really hard to say. I mean, so Bryce has got the American record total at nine oh two and a half kilos, and um, yeah, so it's it's I don't know. I think look, there's more there, there, there's more prestige in having a world record total. So I think I think if anything is in doubt, I think Ashton would would rather lock up the world record and say, I, you know, I mean, Bryce has it unofficially. I mean, because his American record is higher than Kristoff's world record. But look, you have to do it with international judging. And that's one of the advantages of getting invited to this Grand Prix. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think, it, look, if, if, if I were Ashton, you know, clearly a, a world record carries more prestige than your national one. Uh, and this is just one of those one-off situations where the national is higher than the world. This is this is one of the no. weird situations where you're like, look, it, yeah. here, here it is. If shit hits the fan and things don't go as planned, we'll we'll settle for the world record. If we have a great day, we'll take the national record. Like, right. That's a weird, that's a very <laughs> unique yeah. situation. But it kind of is, I think you're right. I mean, look, it's still a world record. We're still yeah. talking. Like, it's either way, he's, he's right there for both of those. Yep. It'll come down to, it can come down to a, millimeters sorry my american friends fractions of an inch in terms yeah. of um, like squat depth and if you miss that squat you're like well that might take away the american record now we're looking at world record territory again kind of it seems upside down but that's the way it is uniquely so it could be something like that a mislift yep. where whatever it is a call doesn't go your way you're still walking away with some kind of a record we know ashton is good for both um he's certainly within range anyways the proof is in the pudding, but it'll be interesting to see. Let's yeah. double back and let's talk shout about out, shout out also to your friend. Yeah, as, as we double back, shout out to your friend and mine, uh, uh, Mehar Bogle from Canada, who's going to be lifting 93 equipped and, and going to be coached by Bryce Lewis. I'm excited to see him. I haven't seen Mehar in a while, so if you're listening, buddy, I'm looking forward to to giving you a hug at the Arnold. There we go. Now, David Ricks, 60 years young, refusing to fade. Um, after the squats at the U.S. Raw Nationals, he was ahead. <laughs> okay, so if the lights went yeah. out and the, and the competition stopped after the first event out of three, that's, David that's right. Ricks would have been your American champion at, at 175 years old. The guy does not age. Yeah, and he's and, and look who he's, he's going to be coached by Anthony Harris. So you got the the dream team there of masters lifters. I mean, you got two two superheroes doing it. You know. Um, well into the masters categories, you know, an M2 Tony Harris and M3 David Ricks. I mean, God bless them both. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, with Dave, as you said, it's all about him hitting three squats. Yeah. I mean, look, Dave is, is at 60 years young, is relevant with 93 kilo open lifters, provided that he makes three squats. Yeah. If, if he makes three squats, he's in the mix to make a podium 
as a 90, you know, in the open category. That's just how strong Dave is. Now, so, that, that is the big caveat, though. If he yeah. makes three squats, I, we've seen yeah. him both ways. We've seen him hit three squats and be in the lead over, it doesn't matter if you're talking Charlie Dixon, it doesn't matter who you're talking about. You, yep. you know, he's in the lead if he makes three squats. I've also, right. I've also seen him in the Masters World Championship against gentlemen that he would have a 200-kilo spread on, and he yep. bombs out on squats. And yeah. actually, a Canadian guy beat him. And um, I remember talking to the Canadian afterwards, and I'm like, holy smokes, you just beat David Ricks. I was like, what are you thinking? And he's like, I'm thinking I'm going to retire because it gets no better than... What, yeah. Are you kidding me? I just beat Superman. How do exactly. I top this? I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. That's it. And this, and this Grand Prix event was the, was the competition, I think it was two or three, it was probably three years ago, um, where Dave originally broke the IPF open world record squat at this meet. Oh, wow. Um, and, you know, and then he, he um, and, and then I believe he rebroke it because he went down to Australia and now it's since been taken by the Algerian, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and maybe it's been broken again. But anyway, Dave originally broke the IPF open world record at this uh, competition. Now that's, you know, presumably out of reach at this time, but it's just exciting to see him take the stage. He's a fan favorite. And I think he's, you know, everybody would be cheering for him um, at the Grand Prix event. Yeah. Hopefully so. he does well. It is an IPF meet. I'm sure the open world records are not up for grabs and possibly Masters, depending on... Oh, for sure. I, no don't doubt. Rem- I don't remember what he did in Sweden. I don't think he got all three squats in, so if he gets all three, maybe he's going to break his own squat world record in the Masters. Right on. More than likely. Uh, let's yes. also talk about Dennis Cornelius, whom also yes. you handle. Uh, yes. Dennis is back. He's, he's not going to make the SPD Invitational because he didn't make Sweden, but he's looking strong, and that's to say the least. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are Dennis, we, I'm sorry, go ahead. At, what, what are we looking at here? Are we looking at 1,000 kilo total in the 120? Are we looking at the world record? Or is it kind of, obviously, you're going to read it as the, the day goes. It's hard to say, but have you had a moment to talk to him? Yeah, I mean, well, so I spoke to Dennis very, very briefly today. I mean, we haven't started necessarily putting together or installing our game plan, but he is healthy. Um, he's been carrying a body weight in the morning of about 122 and a half kilos, which is great because that's going to be, a re- yeah, which is really good for him. So uh, hats off to Dennis for, for not getting too huge. I mean, he's really been on top of his uh, nutrition and on top of his weight. So I fully suspect that Dennis, I mean, he, he looks to be in top form. It seems to me like he's gotten his deadlift figured out finally. So, you know, and that, and that seems to be his weakest link. So I would be surprised if Dennis does not hit PBs here in the squat, he's got an opportunity to break his own uh, world record in the squat uh, at 386 kilos. And I think he's got an opportunity to take the bench record as well. Uh, you know, at, at 120 in a three-lift meet, which is, uh, you know, currently held by Amanda Paluskas, the guy who, you know, as you said, just failed. Um, the, the, the deadlift world record is certainly not on the table, but I think, I think, look, in the perfect storm, I think Dennis could put together another signature performance. I mean, this, again, he can, we can be a little bit more aggressive at this meet. I don't believe that a thousand kilo t- total is probably there just yet, but Hey, look, man, if he's feeling it, this would be the meat to try it, right? Because, uh, you know, because because you can do it without any consequence. But I don't see any reason why if he comes in and makes his lifts that he can't walk away with a uh, squat bench and perhaps total world record. 
And he is, I mean, I'm surprised I'm hearing that he's 122. That was one of the bigger struggles is when he cut weight. You feel like a champ in training. And yep. sometimes, you know, he wouldn't have the same same performance on the platform that he'd hoped because of the weight cut. He said That's sometimes right. it'd be tough. Um, this is going to make it a lot easier. Not to mention, he doesn't have to travel around the world while cutting weight. So we'll see. I mean, 122 would certainly, I'm, I'm actually surprised to hear he's that low in terms of body weight because he's moving some big weight in training. Huge weights in training. Yeah, and he's and he's healthy. You know, that neck thing that bugged him about a year and a half ago is now in his rearview mirror. So Dennis's arrow is pointing up, and I'm excited to see him left and, and be a part of that. And I think we also need to mention, go ahead and mention Blaine, who I know was just on your podcast. Yeah. Um, this has been a meet where uh, Blaine has traditionally – uh, put up some incredible numbers. You know, he he squatted 500 kilos at the Arnold uh, years ago at the Pro American, but then I believe he also did, uh, was it 505 is his current world record at the Grand Prix. So I fully expect him to swing for the fences, as he even said as much on your podcast. Yeah. You know, he, he sees himself as a home run hitter, and I think, look, this is the meat to do it. I mean, when he's locking horns with uh, Konovalov there from Russia – at the Equip World Championships, you know, here he's not doing that. So he can be more aggressive. He can come out and just look. It's really it's just going to be a function of you know squat depth and satisfying the standard there, so to speak. And if he can do so, I don't see any reason why he can't um, you know hit some really huge numbers, you know, in um, and 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 perhaps even tick his own world record total up just a little bit that he hit in Dubai. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And it is, it is one of those, he's lifting on a pose. So as long as he meets the standards and just plays to his own game, that's it. You know, it, it's a perfect setup right there. Yep. And we're, how are you doing for time, by the way? Cause we're on hour 15. Are you, are you good for time crunch wise? We can go a little bit further. Okay. Cause I know <laughs> we're, yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's yeah, take a look at pro American. Yep. So what? yeah. So the, so the pro American, is on Sunday, and I know that at first blush there, when you look at the roster, it, I believe it has everybody listed online as raw, but I know for a fact that that's not the case. My wife Susie is coming back and is going to lift in the Pro-American, try to get that sour taste uh, out of her mouth from Dubai, so she is lifting equipped. We've got some M2 and M3 uh, equipped world records on the, ta- on the table that, uh, that she's looking to try to hit. But I think uh, a lot of these lifters are lifting raw. Probably the most notable in the morning would be Megan Scanlon. Yeah. You know, at 63, we all recall the tremendous showdown that she had with Maria T, which I thought was the moment of the world championships, frankly, in Sweden. Uh, but she had that incredible battle with Maria, you know, in the 57s. And now Megan's way in 63. I know that she was dealing with an injury during this prep. And if you've kind of been tracking along with her, uh, she's kind of taken the same mindset as Jennifer Milliken, you know, coming in low stress. Uh, this is one of those low risk, high reward opportunities. Uh, she's not really uh, has her heart set on any particular numbers per se, but just wants to come in and have some fun. And so I think there's a, a lot can be said when you kind of take that approach and, 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 and look, the Arnold is, uh, you know, because it is that showcase opportunity, it can be a lower stress meet. Uh, because you don't have that pressure of, oh, well, I have to look at my total or I have to go three for three in this lift, you know. You know, there's there's not that stress there. So it'll be fun to watch Megan and see what she can do. Yeah, Megan at the World Championships uh, in Sweden, you had mentioned in terms of that performance, it, it quite easily could have been the, the key. I mean, it was a bit of a, a 
two-headed matchup as opposed yep. to 72s, which had yeah, more right. women head-to-head. But having said that, in terms of two women going head-to-head, Megan Scanlon, when she finished her day, was the greatest 57-kilo lifter we had ever seen until Maria T took her last attempt on yep. deadlift. We had never seen a total like that. She broke squat world record, bench world record, and then total world record. She had the greatest performance we had seen. Maria T had missed her second attempt, was about to take her third. Right there, she was the greatest. Two seconds later, Maria T bumped her, and she went down to number two all time, not just of the day, but all time. 57 kilo, Megan had a phenomenal showing in Sweden. So, yeah, and she was disappointed having to deal with some injuries and whatnot going into the U.S. Raw Nationals. So this is a bit of a venue, like you said, lower lower stress levels. You're not fighting to, to you know, get your way onto the U.S. Raw National team. Um, you're not battling for the world championships. You're not battling for a specific title, so to speak. It's a showcase. So yep. if you have a great day, great. If you don't have a great day, it's okay. You know, all is not lost. You're going to sign up to the next competition, and you're going to battle your way through it. So... It is a good it is a good venue for her and it takes a little pressure off. Also, Brittany Suplicki, um, hopefully I'm saying her last name right. I have been posting her a little bit on King of the Sides of Late, and she has been smashing weights in training and is definitely someone you're gonna want to watch. Uh, could have a breakthrough performance. So keep your eyes on that 57 kilo lifter. Yep, shout out also to Esther Scott, who's going to be coached by Samantha Calhoun. Esther is, is uh, a favorite of ours just because she's a local lifter. This will be her first time lifting at the Arnold, so shout out to Esther, lifting at 72. Looking forward to seeing what she can put together. Taking a look in the afternoon, sir. Um, obviously, in the 84-plus, we got Sarah Brenner, who's yep. um, you know, coached by Arian, who's a national head coach as well. And um, Sarah, who's broken IPF world records in terms of the deadlift, this is IPF sanctioned as well through the NAPF, so there's a possibility we'll see a world record fall there. Yep. Um, we're familiar with Shelby Miles. Uh, yeah, coached by Jeremy Hartman. And I think next up, uh, the, worth mentioning, of course, is Eric LaPointe. If you remember in Raw Nationals, Eric uh, in the 74s there came out and took the American record in the deadlift. And if I recall correctly, it was an absolute smoke show. And uh, and then, of course, you had Ricky Cho say, well, uh, thank you very much. I'll take that on my next attempt and added a chip to it and destroyed it himself. So that was exciting to see. So yeah. I fully expect, I believe the the American record currently is Ricky Cho's. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it is. it's 318 kilos. So, yeah. uh, you know, for 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 Americans, that's that's uh, 700 pounds. So I fully suspect Eric to go ahead and take that back, uh, that, 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 that American record in the deadlift. His training has looked to, uh, to be on point, and I believe in his last session that I saw, which he posted just a couple of days ago, he hit 307.5, and, and it was very comfortable. Sir, would so, you say his training is on lap point? Yeah, amen. Oh, wow, look at that. I'm on, sorry, I apologize. It, it is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be, you know, and he's coached by, by Hanny Gisarelli of, of, uh, of uh, the strength athlete and Hanny's our, our national team head coach for the juniors and subs. And so, you know, you've got a good coach there in his corner and attempt selection will be important to kind of get that for him. But I look, if he has the type of day that he's capable of, I suspect that he'll take that record. Let me say something too. It's funny when you got a guy like Ricky Cho in the field, um, he, his nickname is the villain. The guy lives up. There's a lot of chatter online. And um, so you will have, like, he's got a big following. 
This, of all, those other 74s, Taylor's got a bigger following because he's Taylor Atwood. Uh, been around for a lot longer. But his following is increasing due to this. However, you also have a lot of people who want to see him lose because of the chatter. That's just the way it is. So when Eric hit that deadlift, I had people messaging me like, yes, Ricky chipped it, but Eric moved it so much better and so much faster. And, and you know, and it's like, maybe, but... It's just not the way, you know, I mean, this is just the way it is when you were Ricky Cho and you're a yeah. polarizing figure. As well as, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of, this is kind of the way it's going to rock and roll, the way it's going to play out. Um, I'm wondering also, though, the world record for 74, would that be in reach? Not just well, the American? I'm not sure what the world record is for 74 when it comes to the deadlift. It's 322, and it's held by Kel Backlund of Norway. Ooh. So, so 322, yeah. So that, hey, look, that that's that could be on the table as well. That's a, I mean, it's, that's that's a big, that's a yeah, that's a I big mean, ask, though, my friend. Well, I mean, it's there. Well, it's only yeah. I mean, it's only it's only four kilos more than the American. Record. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it's you know again. What do you what do you do here? What do you let me ask you? If this was me. And, and it's not necessarily, I mean, he's lifting with one other lifter, Kyle Coogan. So it's not necessarily winning your weight class or weight. It's not about winning so much. Uh, this it, is a very easy answer. I, let, me, let me ask a question, but I think I already know. But I, this is, yeah. I think I'm on page. I am not going all out on squat, all out on bench when I have an IPF world record attempt right there. And I don't know, look at this 74 is an American. I may never make a, a national team. I may never be able to go for an IPF world record. To have that yeah. on your resume is phenomenal. If it's me, I'm not totally sandbagging my squat. I'm just not going all out. I'm not sandbagging stuff. But I'm also going to leave a little gas in the tank knowing I'm going to need the biggest debt of my life. And I'm going to make history and have an yep. IPF world record on, on my resume. And that's something you take with you. And we talked about opportunities opening and closing. You can't take for granted, if you're in an opportunity to get an IPF world record, don't tell yourself, well, I'll get it next time, I'll get it down the road. That opportunity may never come. Who knows yeah. who's going to come around and take that world record and throw it right at the ballpark. You know, hit it at the ballpark and it's, it's out of reach. Or you just never earn a meet again that's IPF sanctioned. Even if it's the Arnold Classic, it is and not sometimes sanctioned by the IPF. Will you ever make an IPF national team? Who knows, man. If it's the U.S. national team, very difficult to make. So for me, I would take not sandbag, but more conservative squat, bench, deadlift. What would you say if you were if you were coaching Eric on that? Yeah, I I agree. I think I, yeah, I I agree with you pretty much entirely. I think you you don't sandbag, but you just. You, you take something that's comfortable, you know, um, presumably, you know, look, Eric's rate of adaptation here is probably higher than some of these other lifters. I don't know how long Eric's been lifting, but he's a pretty young guy. So, I mean, he may hit a PB in the squat just because yeah. anyway, and, and, and not have to really kill himself. That's true. But, that's true. but yeah, to your point, and, and this is no disrespect to Eric, but Eric, um, you know, may not have the opportunity to make a national team uh, or an open national team, I should say. And so, it, you know, with with as deep as the field is at 74 kilos, uh, to your point, this may be his only opportunity to break a world record. So I think it's all going to come down to how that second attempt deadlift moves. But I think you put it on the bar, man, because it's just, you know, otherwise you're not going to get that opportunity. Yeah, go on, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, go all in. You know, take a shot at it, man. Swing. And and look, you may wind up missing that and therefore get stuck with your second attempt and not get the American record. But hey, that'll be back on the table at Raw Nationals. And so, you know, you can you can go for it then when you're locking horns with these guys in prime time. So don't even, you know, yeah, I would be focused on that on that world record, like you said. Yeah, you're only gonna get, you know, the opportunities don't don't knock all the time, man. You gotta take advantage of it. And the opportunities for a national record are a lot easier to get to. An opportunity yeah. for a world record, you this is something, the older you get in life, the more you start realizing it's the things you took for granted and you just thought those opportunities were always going to be there. The door closed. You're like, fuck, that was my chance. Yep. I should have, I could have, would have, should have. Don't do it, young man. If you're listening, swing for that home run. I also really want to quickly want to say Charlie Young, um, 59 kilo lifter who won, I think he's a national champion, super young. He's going to be doing battle with uh, Fedoshenko in, in Belarus. Interested because he's a young guy, rate of adaptation is high, and um, I mean, hopefully he can put together a great day and he can actually push, make a push when it comes to Belarus. This is kind of that in-between meet between nationals and Belarus, a bit of a range finder, so to speak. Let's see where the guy is at. He's lifting unopposed, but it does have significance in terms of where he's at, so we can have a little bit of, a little something-something to anticipate towards Belarus. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at the 83, sir. Um, Carson Allen, he's a stud. Sean Collins, those are two great lifters. Carson Allen being handled by previously aforementioned Johnny Candido. Um, Allen is a, is a phenomenal guy who could easily break in. I mean, he's in the top 10. He could break ahead. But I think probably the biggest storyline, and this is going to always be the case, look at We have an 83-kilo lifter, Jamar Royster, who might be the first ever 83-kilo lifter to squat 700 pounds this is IPS sanctioned. It'll be a world record. Jamar Royster can make history officially with an IPF world record and be the first 83 to break into the 700 kilo cl- or 700 kilo club, 700 pound club. Um, what do you think in there? I have seen Jamar hit 700 several times in training. We thought he might do it at Raw Nationals. Did not happen. He's got a second go at it here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think again, uh, take a shot at it. If, if you know, I think he's going to be coached by Bryce, and they had to manage expectations, if you will, at Raw Nationals and, and be more calculated. And I know that they didn't go for it; they needed every attempt there to take a shot at possibly dethroning Russell, and it didn't come to fruition. But I think at this meet, I mean, his training seems to be lining up that way. I believe he doubled 300 kilos not too long ago in training, and so I think you know. Things are going in the right direction. I think, uh, uh, as usual with some of these guys, I don't know how much weight he's going to have to cut, but that's going to be critical in, uh, you know, in, in what kind of performance he can put together. But it's 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 certainly up for grabs, that's for sure. I mean, it's, it alleviates, in terms of when he's at U.S. Raw Nationals, he put together a stellar day in, an, in a super-packed 83-kilo class. He walked away the bronze medal. Um, and put himself, you know, with, within a reasonable condition. If somebody pulls out here, someone pulls out there, maybe he's making a national team, maybe he's not. I don't think he is due to some, what some of the other lifters did in the other weight classes, but he finished on the podium with a bronze medal, and that's the difference when you're at a high-level meet like U.S. Raw Nationals where you're not just going for first, you're going for total and doing everything you can so that if it's like a Mike D situation with Aston Ruska and the aforementioned Bryce Lewis doing battle, if one of those guys falter, 
you up your game and move from a bronze to a silver all of a sudden. And sometimes, we've both seen it happen, you'll exchange your bronze for a gold if they both push themselves too far and stumble. So Bryce, Jamar played U.S. World Nationals appropriately because you got to do the best you can to possibly make a world team while you have the opportunity. Um, God knows the World Championships is a phenomenal event if you can get that far. This being the case with the Arnold Classic, like you had said previously, don't have to worry about that. Now it's all for fun. You go mm-hmm. all in, and your last squat should probably be the IPF world record and the first 700-pound squat. Get the kilos right, gentlemen. Make it 318 and <laughs> not 317.5, and um, and there we go. You, you, yeah. May I also say, um, this is how much people don't like Ricky Cho, some people, just because of the personality bias. I had people messaging me saying the because Eric Lapointe hit 317.5, which is 699.97 pounds, and Ricky became the first 74 kilo lifter to pull 700 in America. Some people are like, no, if you factor in the room for error on those plates, it would actually nudge. And I'm like, stop, man. Because it could actually factor the other way as well, though. You don't know. Just yeah, yeah. stop. I know you don't like Ricky. I get it. Just, just, just let's not do this. But, but anyways, so the, the other thing that they can do with Russell also is that if he doesn't feel like 700 is on the table, he could take a shot at Russell's uh, world record there. Cause Russell's has a squat world record true. at three, oh, yeah. at three thirteen. So kind of that similar situation that we were talking about before with, with uh, a little bit different, you know, 700 would be the milestone number, but 313 is Russell's current world record, which is 690 pounds. So I think that if Jamar doesn't feel like 700 is on the table, you know, or the second attempt doesn't move as well, he could just, you know, take the lighter number there and go after Russell's world record in the squat. And like, he's, you know, so I think, I think personally, I mean, and, and then, go, you know, so in the Eric LaPointe discussion we were talking about, there's there's more prestige there in going for the world record, uh, you, you know, which is 322 uh, kilos in the deadlift, uh, which is – but here in, in the situation with Jamar, it's about kind of going for that lower number because he doesn't have to hit the milestone 700. He can do that another time. I know that it would be really cool to hit a 700 squat, and again, this is perhaps the meat to do it, but – when else is Jamar going to get the opportunity to take an IPF world record? So he may, he, in this case, he may be going for the lower number. So, yeah. you know, you that, are right. He, I mean, yeah, the, yeah. I, the IPF world record is available here. The 700, here. here's the thing. You can yeah. hit him. He, he can hit that milestone at any meet he wants to. He can, he can go to a, to a local meet if he wants to and hit the milestone number. You but know here's, what I mean? Here's, but here's, you can, Here's the problem. Sorry to cut you off. I just want to say SPD Invitational is like a month later. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah think, I, I think 700 will be gone. I think that's too much. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think it'll be gone. So I agree. Uh, conceivably, I think this is his only shot, but you are right. If the SPD Invitational wasn't a month later, you yeah. could be like, look at, take the IPF world record. It's lighter. Um, so it's easier yeah. and it's a world record. I, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, Matt, it's like, do you risk it all, world record, and be the first to hit 700, which is amazing? You could retire there and have bragging rights forever. Or do you not risk the 700, go for the lighter weight world record, and your bragging rights, like, oh, my gosh. That's another really tough conversation that the handler has to have with the lifter. 
I don't know. I would be up all night. I would be some days when I feel amazing. I'm like, no, nah, we're going all in. We're doing both. Other days when I don't have a great day, I'm like, you know what? Let's just settle for a world record. That's that's nice. Thanks. I don't know which way I'd swing, but it is what I guess. I, it's probably a day of situation. How did the yeah, water I, cut go? Had second one move. Had the second attempt move. Agreed. Um, yeah, for sure. Yep. Looking at this, looking at 93, sir, uh, I do I do notice we've got some cats like Charlie Dixon, phenomenal. He's been doing moving some serious weight and training. Excited yep. to see him. Kyle Power also. Um, yep. Being handled by Joe Stanek, who's a phenomenal handler. I mean, he's U.S. national team coach handling as well. And Kyle Power has been having a great training sessions that I see. I've been reposting him on Kingos as well. Another guy to watch. So yep. we actually have a bit of a battle there that I'm interested in seeing between Charlie, Kyle, and I mean, we got few, we got five different 93s here, so it'll be good. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I agree with, with everything you said. Keep an eye on Connor Borkert as well. He's a junior uh, uh, world champion. And so uh, Connor is, so here, here, here's the deal. Brad Couillard is Charlie Dixon's coach. He's also Connor's coach, but Brad coaches Patrick Carr, who he's handed the duties off to, to coach Connor, because I don't believe he can have his name down for both lifters. Anyway, it's, it's kind of all in the family here in the 93s, and I just want to say that I'm close friends with Brad Couillard and Patrick Carr, and, and these guys don't necessarily have the, the cachet or the, or the pizzazz in, in terms of coaching that they probably should, because I'm telling you right now, these two guys are phenomenal coaches. Susie and I, Susie and I have mentored Brad and Patrick personally. We love these guys. They're close personal friends. And so Charlie and Connor could not be in better hands um, than having these two guys in their corner. So make no mistake about it. I fully suspect Charlie. Uh, Ch- Charlie, I think, is the strongest of this group. And I do expect Charlie, you know, if there is such a thing of kind of winning this group or winning the 93, so to speak, uh, I, I, I'm picking Charlie. Um, but but Connor, you know, is is, is not not going to be far behind. And, and and they've got good coaches in their corner. And I think that makes a huge difference. So I just wanted to mention those guys because because they don't get the love on social media that some of the other people do. So as you said, King of the Lifts is about, you know, giving people shine and, and pushing the sport forward. And so I wanted to do that for my fellow coaches here. You bet my friend and Kyle power got an amazing last name for a power lifter. Uh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> looking at the one Oh fives that we do have some recognizable names here. Yeah. Yep. David Wilson, who's, who's been rounded out into the one Oh fives and oh, I want to see the best possible package. I mean, he's injured going into us Royal nationals. If I'm not mistaken, I mean, started rebounding a little bit before then, but probably not a hundred percent. Hopefully this is that 105, 100% healthy David Wilson, so we really see where his numbers are at. In Sweden, he was a 93, so he's starting to fill out the 105s, and he's going to be shifting some major weight. Obviously, the deadlift is, is monstrous. I can't wait to see what his deadlift looks like when he's 100% as a 105. Two-time 93 world champion, Ellis McLean, who is also lifting at the Master World Championships Two months from now, deciding to go as a 105. Um, not sure if he's going all out. He's he's clearly not cutting weight for this. So he might be having a quote-unquote fun meet. But if his training is any indication, he's squatting and set, he's squatted 700 again. Deadlifting like, like a monster. Uh, the bench press is always good. So, I mean, maybe not cutting weight if he's, if he's hanging a little heavier. Maybe the weight's going to be um, heavier than we usually get to see. He's taxing the nervous system at a heavier body weight. It'll be interesting to see how lifting as a 105 is going to be with him here at the Arnold. 
and what kind of a total he's posting up. He's very confident. If you're watching him on Instagram and you're, and you're reading, he feels fantastic. He's like, man, I feel like he's, he's a master lifter. Obviously, he's going to master worlds. But he's like, dude, I feel like I turn back the clock. I'm smashing numbers that I previously was hitting now. He is a weight class up. But still, nonetheless, I want to see what he does here. And if he can sustain that kind of weight while cutting back down to 93s as he goes into the master world championships. Or, I don't know, does he stay as a 105 as a, as a master world? I don't know if, you're, if that's even a possibility. I'm not sure how the U.S. national team works with that, if they allow you to. But interested in seeing how he does that. Um, and obviously, in terms of the other 105s, another notable is uh, Amadola, who you had previously talked about, handled by Bill McCarthy, also yep. national-level coach, um, who handles at the World Championships. And Amadola, an absolute monster bench presser. And there are world records that could possibly fall. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, if there, yeah. So I would. It's interesting, and I agree with everything that you said. I'm going to pick Joseph to to win this class. Actually, Joseph came in fourth at our Raw Nationals, um, and he is the American record holder and the world record. He's the world record holder in the bench press in single lift. And I'm telling you right now, he is going to take the IPF Open World record in the bench press on his opener. Uh, because yeah, no, no doubt about it. Because his PB is 263 kilos. The world record at 105 is currently 230.5. So we're talking about 508 pounds. And Joseph is benching into the 500s. Will eventually be knocking on the door of 600 here. Uh, yeah, not too long. Ridiculous. So he'll he'll open up with an IPF Open World record in the bench press, unquestionably. Um, so he's gonna he's gonna take that that world record. And uh, you know he went nine for nine at at Raw Nationals. And um, you know I, I I suspect him to do more of the same. And so it, it'll be fun to watch. But yeah, I, I I think Joseph is gonna put it together. And let's not forget Cole Warren either. Cole is uh, 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 used to coach Amanda Lawrence, and uh, he, so he's out of uh, he's out of Minnesota, and super strong guy, uh, you know, just out of the primetime lifters. Uh, didn't make primetime at our last Raw Nationals, but he's he's one of those lifters that can total well enough during the daytime to beat some of the primetime lifters. Mm. He's that he's that good. He's competed. Oh, I don't know, probably six or seven times and only missed about four or five attempts. So Cole competes well and lifts very well. He makes a lot of lifts. So I suspect, I mean, look, he's locking horns with three other world-class guys there. So I don't know that Cole is going to, you know, beat the other fellas, but but he'll he'll show uh, show himself well. So And not for nothing, I had some communication with Bill McCarthy. He is, yep. I don't want to say too much, but he is very confident in Joseph's ability and the performance oh. he's going to unveil. Very confident. I don't want yeah. to. I don't want to so, say numbers that I heard. No, but I, I'm. It's uh, it's it's. Pay attention is all I'm going to say. He could no, no, he could shock people. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna surprise some people. Bill Bill is one of our coaches at SSBT at our facility here in Maryland. So I mean, I see Bill three four times a week. So I'm I'm well aware of what Joseph is capable of. I mean, he used to train at our facility. Now he's moved to Jacksonville, Florida. But as you said, keep your eyes open. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pay attention. Pay attention. So and uh, yeah. look, we are now at so when we were doing a pre-show, you were like. Hey Ryan, hey Ryan, we do this every time, my friend. You're like, I don't know, maybe not two hours this time. And we do this, every, we do the same song and dance. We're at an hour forty-five. 
Well, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't know, Matt. We when we start talking, when we talk powerlifting, my friend. Sports talk, man. That's how it goes. Sports talk. I was like, <laughs> I, we'll see. Um, but I mean, we can skip through kind of quicker with the pro deadlift and squat challenge. Um, I think we're both in great. Like pro deadlift for anyone listening, only equipped. And Ian yep. Bell, who is comes from a powerlifting family, um, yep. his dad, Gene, uh, you know, a legend. And Ian, obviously, he's a legend in his own right as well. Phenomenal deadlifter. And likely the person who's going to take that in terms of the pro deadlift. Yeah, I think he'll take it for the men. I think Juanita Nahara will take it for the for the women. Again, she's the world record holder at 52 with 195 kilos. Ian has done 385 equipped. I suspect that he'll be able to to probably push that up a little bit. Shout out to Brad Gillingham, legend of the game, absolute legend, has done this event many, many times. Excited to see Brad uh, back in there. But, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's it, I think Ian will have the biggest deadlift in Juanita for the ladies. And then that moves us into the squat challenge. And so I think if, uh, if everybody's been paying attention to this, essentially you can wear whatever level of equipment you want. I can't imagine doing an equipped squat in full suit Full, full uh, knee wraps and everything, double body weight for reps. But uh, there are going to be some people who who decide to fly that way, uh, you, you know. But uh, some 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 of these other lifters will be doing it raw. Uh, you have a returning champion from last year for the guys, Chance Mitchell, at 93 kilos. So I would keep an eye on Chance. But also new into the fray is Austin Perkins, one of the one of the factors, you know. At 74, and as we were talking about before, I think Austin, you know, lifting double body weight for him is only 150 kilos, which is a much lower percentage of his max than, let's say, what Chance has to lift. You know, Chance has to do 186 kilos, which is a little bit, I think, higher percentage of what Chance is capable of. So, if I had to pick a winner there for for that, I would probably go with Austin. As far as the ladies go, you know, I think. The lighter you are in an event like this, I think it bodes well and it gives you an advantage. Uh, I don't recall who won for the females last year. Ellen Liverpool is listed as an 84. I believe she's going to compete at 72. Uh, she's a homegrown talent here from Maryland but now lives in the Midwest. I'm just going to go ahead and put my money on Ellen. Not too entirely familiar with a lot of the other ladies, but this is one of those gut check events, man. Where it's just like you're gonna have an upset. Listen, let me let me let. So I think Jasmine Penn. Who, oh, that's right. Yeah, Jasmine. I forgot about her. That's right. Who had? I mean, what happened at Worlds in the last uh, podcast? Yeah. We talked about it, what happened at Nationals. But she's she's being handled by Michael uh, well, Michael Mike, C, yeah. who, who's her boyfriend as well. Penn yep. is not an 84. She's not. She just moved into 72. She's not even 72. She's like yeah. 70 kilo. So yep. she'll be lighter, which would skew it because exactly what you said, if it's double body weight, it, it's it's going to be difficult, but she's going to be a lighter body weight. So that's a little bit of a throwing us off here. She's going to be probably 14 kilo less body weight than what's listed here. But so I think I'm going to side with Penn. Here's what I like about the squat challenge. When it comes to the single lift, you could just straight up be stronger than the next guy and you're going to win. It doesn't matter who wants it more, so to speak. If we're getting into that sports, who wants it more? How bad are you going to dig deep? Look at you're not going to out-squat Russell or he is just the way it's going to go. You're not going to all of a sudden put 50 pounds onto your, onto your squat or deadlift bench, whatever. However, having said that, 
if you're both relatively close and it's about who wants to gut it out more for that one last rep, the squat challenge could be it. So that's what makes it a little exciting. And uh, whoever goes first and whoever goes last, when you yeah. know you need just one more rep, if you squat last and you just need one more rep, that's what you want. You're like, okay, now I know because you can go out and just kill yourself. But So it'll actually be entertaining because you will see people fighting for reps and just leaving it all on the platform. It will be that exhaustive look. They say fatigue makes cowards of us all in sports. We rarely see that in powerlifting because we're only lifting one, one rep. This is the difference. It, it will. It's a little bit showy, but it's going to be a good show at the squat challenge. So I think um, I'm going to take Austin Perkins and I'm going to take Jasmine Penn. But uh, this this cookie can crumble either way because, like you said, there's other factors. Like somebody could be like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap my knees. Let's see what happens." And then it totally backfires because you can't feel your legs after five reps. Someone else is like, "I should have wrapped my knees because someone else wrapped their knees and they ripped off five more reps." And wrapping your knees certainly does help with the squat. So there's so many factors. It's a bit of a crapshoot, but it's gonna be fun to watch. Agreed. Yeah, it's it's. Uh... Uh, a, a, a test of endurance, if you will, and a test of, uh, of fortitude more than anything, I think. And the advantage goes to the person who gets to go last. I'm not certain exactly how they pick the order there, but man, I mean, in a perfect world, you'd all do this in a, in a separate room, right? And nobody would have the idea of how many reps they had to beat. I mean, that would be the most, that would be the most fair way to do it. Well, but, uh, but, cer- but certainly not the most expeditious because I know that some of these events that are on the rogue stage, they're on a time clock. So, I mean, literally they have to be off the stage because at the Arnold they're going to get another event on there, whether it's Strongman or another showcase event. So I know that time is of the essence. Here's the thing. I think if they're going to do it increasing, like in, in terms of body weight, I think, and so increasing bar like most powerlifting meets, that's the yeah. fairest because like yeah. you said, lighter the body weight, lighter the load, probably lighter towards your max, which is in your favor. However... For, for like Chance Mitchell going head-to-head with Austin Perkins, for instance. So Austin has to squat a weight that's a lower percentage of his overall. So Chance is like, I'm kind of screwed there, but you know what I do have? I know the exact number I need. So that's right. it yep. actually works out in the wash, so it's somewhat even, whatever. It is yeah. what it is. In sports, you know, you, I think it's, it's going to be fun nonetheless, right? For sure. It's gonna be no doubt. And listen, my friend, we're at a, an hour 50 so we, we damn near pulled out two hours of content, and that's us rocking and rolling and moving uh, pretty quickly. Appreciate you coming on here. As usual, came on well-informed. We hit all the high points. Pretty sure we hit. I mean, we could go on for the next six hours. Nobody wants a six-hour podcast, though. Two hours is good enough for a preview show. That's plenty. Um, yeah, that should be plenty. And looking forward to the SBD Invitational Show, my friend. Yes, sir. On the other, on the other side of this one. So we'll, That's touch, right. we'll be touching base. I'm sure we'll touch base after the Arnold Classic. Um, you know, just whatever. I'll message you. Like, Holy smokes. Did you see this, that, and the other? Well, we might have some discussions. Uh, but 100% we'll have you back on for the SBD Invitational. Anybody you want to thank or anything you want to say before we let you go, sir? Much appreciate your time. I just want to thank you, man. I mean, it, it, thank you for pushing the sport forward and for all that you do. Um, you know, you you do your thing to put shine on the lifters, and 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 we'd be remiss for not thanking you. I mean, it's like like you said, this is sports talk radio. This is ESPN for powerlifting, if you will. And so you do a great job of covering the sport. So just, uh, man, thank you and God bless you for all that you do. It's it's much appreciated, sir. And let me reciprocate that. I appreciate you coming on here. 
Um, yeah. When we have these shows, these preview shows, when the Arnold starts rolling around, we get flooded with messages saying, are you and Matt going to drop another preview show? Yeah, <laughs> we always do. With, with all the big events, and like, you got to have Matt on. You got to have Matt. Man, we, we, we're going to do it. We always do. Uh, we, got, we got a good chemistry. You always come well-informed when we hit all the high points, and you got a lot of good background stories and everybody. So if somebody tunes in and they otherwise didn't know who to look out for, I think we do a pretty good job of, of shedding some light on that and giving some background stories. When it comes to sports, if you don't have a background story, it's just weightlifting and squatting. That's it. But if you know, oh, Michael C is chasing this, Jamar's chasing that, the historical significance to some of these showdowns, and if there's not showdowns, significance to some of these performances, like Sam Calhoun, oh, by the way, she could move herself number one in the world. However, it could come at a cost later on, losing a chip. But, you know, these are storylines that bring some significance that otherwise you're just watching someone squatting, benching, and deadlifting. So we're doing our part, my man, you included. Much appreciated. And until Thank next you. time, my friend, thank you for tuning in. All right. Cheers. See you, buddy. And that is that. Two quick hours. We were we were seriously talking. Matt's like, look, we lost, we lost some showdowns because the SPD Invitational is very close. And um, the world champions from the U.S. are going to be there. And no longer in the Arnold Classic, which... Some direct showdowns are now gone. And he's like, um, let's, let's, let's hit up all the high points, talk about the storylines, and give some shine to people as, as much as possible like we always do. Bet. And he's like, uh, I don't know how long it's going to be. It could be a half hour. It could be an hour. He's like, but I don't think we're going to have another monster two-hour podcast. And I was like, hey, man, it's going to be what it's going to be. Well, look where we're at. We're floating just under two hours. When you get me and Matt talking about powerlifting, it is what it is. I freaking love my job. Uh, but thank you for tuning in. Please do post this up in your Instagram stories. Give us high ratings on whatever platform you're listening to, uh, whatever platform you're watching this on, whether it's IGTV, whether it's YouTube. Subscribe. Uh, support us because we're giving back. This is the ESPN for powerlifting we're doing our best here, and until next time, six-pack lap of that. Peace.